Welcome to this solo episode of the Reparenting Podcast with me, Melissa Morris. This is the final episode of this series, and I'm going to talk you through a three-step process so that you can reparent yourself through anything, through any triggers, through anything uncomfortable you're experiencing, and so that you can access more flow. That's the point in reparenting. I really want you to discover more joy, more flow and authenticity in who you really are beneath all of those stories and those beliefs and those mindsets that you've picked up along the way. Get back to the essence of who you are at your core. Now, I can't take you through the process without talking about how we pick up those stories and those mindsets and those things that really keep us stuck. So I want to talk a little bit about trauma Now, trauma can be quite a scary word for some people, and historically it's been viewed as quite a life-changing event, a huge event, like a a bad accident or a death or maybe sexual abuse. That's what most people think of as trauma. However, in recent years, we're discovering that trauma is a lot more complex. So what I just described would be called big T trauma, but we also have small t trauma. So these can be events that might seem insignificant, but, but we take meaning from them about ourselves or about our lives. So for example, maybe you were picked on for being overweight and that really shifted how you felt about yourself. Or maybe your parents just couldn't meet your emotional needs. And so that really caused you to be shut down and more dysregulated than you would have been otherwise. The reality is that everybody has trauma. These are the incidences that form the stories that we have about ourselves. And I talk in an earlier episode about these stories, reparenting through our stories. So I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. But what we're unaware of in these stories, in this trauma, means that we will continue to cycle through. So we'll keep going through the same patterns in our lives until we shine some awareness on them. And not just our own lives, also in our ancestors' lives. Um, You can see that sometimes there's patterns, people-pleasing perhaps, or perfectionism, quite common ones, that get passed down through generations. But also alcoholism and all sorts of other more big T traumas get passed down through the family line. Now, there's an a science to this now, a study of this called epigenetics. And that looks at how ancestral trauma is passed down through generations. And there's some really fascinating findings. For example, the Holocaust survivors, they've shown that three generations of Holocaust survivors have high cortisol levels in their body. So it's not just one generation, but two and three. And this is new science. We don't know how many generations this has passed on, but that cortisol is an indicator of huge stress that the original person experienced and then passed on and passed on. And that's a protective mechanism. And humans keep it in our body, that high level, in case that event or something significant like that happens again. But sadly, that often creates a reality of high stress, of being in survival mode. And they've seen similar studies with 9-11, very high cortisol in babies born around 9-11, for example. And it's really quite incredible what they're starting to now understand about 
how things that happen to our ancestors can be passed down to us. And if you're interested in learning more, I'm going to pop some resources in the show notes. But the basis of what they find in in this study of, of epigenetics is that what is unspoken about is unhealed and more likely to reoccur. We really need to bring to the surface some of this trauma that is experienced both in ourselves and in our family line and begin to face the emotions beneath it so we can understand it in a new way and not keep cycling through the same patterns. Now, in my episode with Jessie Cox, the birth worker, we talk about some ancestral trauma that she has in her family. I'd get you to listen to that episode if you're interested in how this looks on a more experiential level. So how do we stop these patterns from reoccurring? This really relates to the first step of the reparenting process, awareness. There is so much power in our awareness. Until we have awareness on what's going on, we are just lost in our drama. We are not responding to the reality, but we are reacting to it. And the power of awareness is it gives us that objectivity. We get to sit back and say, what's happening here, rather than let it just happen. And we also get to just get back to the essence of who we are when we look at the awareness and not just get lost in a story of who we are. Remember, we're not our thoughts, we're not our emotions. We are that awareness behind them. So this three-stage process I'm going to give you, you can use during a trigger that is occurring or after you've noticed that you've been triggered and you have that awareness. Something happened there, you know, something that didn't feel comfortable and I probably didn't respond in the way that I wanted to. I reacted. And just as a a recap from previous episodes, a trigger comes from something called implicit memory. So we are never responding to the moment in front of us. We are usually or always responding to an implicit memory, which is a memory that was formed before we can remember. And that's why we're all triggered by different things, right? Because we've all had different experiences. So for example, Maybe for you and your partner says, you never clean up properly. That's a big trigger. Where somebody else might just apologize and, and start to help out, right? Now, sometimes your awareness comes during the event, as I said before. So when your partner says to you, you never do it properly, you never clean up, then you can witness your nervous system getting activated and I'm being triggered like sometimes. And and this is really common with kids as well. Sometimes you can feel, I don't want to shout at my kids, but it's like an out of body experience. You can't stop it, but you can feel this part of you that's saying, this isn't what I want to do, but it's what I'm doing. Right. And sometimes that awareness actually just comes afterwards and it takes you hours or days or however long to, to realize I was triggered there. And So you can use this process either during or afterwards on reflection and both are as powerful. But the point is that we want to start to reparent ourselves through it so that next time we understand ourselves in a different way and we're not just going to react from an unconscious space. 
And remember that every time you're triggered, it unleashes an emotion. And usually the mind then gets in the way with a story. So for example, with that, with the example I gave before, with the, you never clean up properly, there's maybe a story in you if you're triggered to say, they never appreciate me, or they always nag me, or they can't just can't see how busy I am. And once the mind gets hold of that emotional response, it's much harder for you to stop the reaction. And really what you want to do is hold space for the emotion. So I talked about this in the previous episode of how emotions just really want to be felt. So can you ask yourself when you're being triggered or after you've been triggered and you realize, what am I feeling or what was I feeling? What is happening in my body or what was happening in my body at that moment? So it could be that your chest has got really tense, your heart's beating faster, you feel a bit clammy. Maybe you know, I feel annoyed, I feel frustrated, like the language of the emotions is right there. (laughs) Remember that emotions are 60 to 90 seconds, uncomfortable ones. So I'd encourage you to really sit with the emotion in the moment, which might be walking away. Or afterwards, revisit that feeling for as long as it takes for it to pass. And remember, the more that you hold space for uncomfortable emotions, the more you have access to the higher emotions, joy, happiness, flow. Now, in this second step of holding space for the emotion, As I said earlier, there may be a story that comes up, like, they don't appreciate me, whatever. Note that down. And you can go back to the stories episode that I recorded later on and change that story. Because remember, this is an internal story. Only you can change it. It might feel in the moment like this is the reality, but it's not the only reality. So recap on the steps. The first one is becoming aware that there's something happening, you're being triggered. The second step is holding space for the emotion. What am I feeling? The final step, the third step, is becoming the parent. So you need to ask yourself, what do I need in this moment? Now, this sounds very simple, but a word about needs. So many of us in childhood were shut down in our emotions and never asked what we needed at that moment. So it's really hard to know as an adult what it is that we need. And that's why this question is so important. We want to keep continually asking this question, not just when we're triggered, but all the time. What do I need right now in this moment? What do I need so that we can regain access to our trust in ourselves, to our belief in ourselves and to our flow state? It's worth saying that often when we're reacting, it's usually our inner child reacting to something old. And so it's really important that you become the adult to yourself now. You're not waiting for somebody else to come and solve your problem. You're not blaming the problem on somebody else. You're becoming your parent to yourself. So what do I need? What do I need in this moment when I'm feeling angry, when I'm feeling annoyed? 
And also you can ask if I was being the most unconditionally loving parent to myself, what would I do? What would I say? What would I be? Now, again, this is particularly difficult if your parents weren't able to meet your emotional needs. And this is extremely common in a society where emotions are not recognized as anything important. So if you are finding it really difficult to know what you need and connect with this unconditionally loving parent in in yourself, sometimes it helps to connect with something outside of you. So what feels really unconditionally loving to you? Perhaps it was a relative, like a someone in your life that just felt so caring and so nurturing to you. Perhaps it's someone in the public eye that you really admire. Perhaps it's a higher power. Now that's what it is for me. For me, it's a higher power. For a lot of my clients, eventually, once they do this work a lot, it becomes a higher power. (laughs) Now that, again, can be really triggering for a lot of people because we have a lot of conditioning around a higher power, the word God, ooh, huge conditioning around that and what that means. And it can be too woo-woo or too judgmental or just too much. And that's okay. You take what you need, right? But for me, a higher power is the way that I access a limitless, infinite amount of patience and love for myself and for all of us. So think of the person you love the most in the world or the person that represents that infinite amount of love. This can often also be, if you're a parent, your own child, especially those first moments of of parenthood where the child is so helpless and so open. So just try and embody that limitless love for a minute. Try and feel it, really feel what it would feel like to have that infinite amount of love. That is the experience that you want to be giving to yourself in those moments. Now, when you're a parent, you do get used to attuning to your child's needs and it builds up your emotional intelligence. Sometimes I hear people say, they realize that they've actually become their own ideal parent for their children. Not always, but at times, and that's really beautiful. But sometimes we still really struggle to become that for ourselves. So that question, what do I need, is a really important one. Now, this could be that you need words of encouragement. So going back to that example before, you never do the cleaning up properly. Maybe you need to say to yourself, I'm doing the best I can. Maybe you need to say, I'm working so hard and it is enough right now. Or I appreciate myself. Even if I don't feel appreciated in this moment, I can appreciate myself. Sometimes what you need might be a hug or to take some time for yourself. The important part is to identify what you need and then give it to yourself. It's not about waiting for somebody else to fix it or asking for it from outside. 
you become your own parent so that you can take responsibility for your own needs and show up in a different way for everyone around you. You may then notice shifts in others. When you change the way you feel about yourself, you can't help but change the way others feel about you. Now, that was a trivial trivial example that I gave you for this three-part process, but it can be used for, for big triggers. It can be used for big shifts. So I want to lead you through an experience now. So close your eyes unless you're driving and take some breaths into your body. And I want you to bring into your awareness a recent trigger. Small or large, just whatever surfaces is exactly the right one. And I want you to watch it unfolding objectively. Become that bystander. Connect with your awareness rather than being connected to the story. Watch it play out and notice the sensations in your body as it does. What were you feeling? What was happening beneath the surface? Now name this physically. Describe it as best you can. And witness any stories that have come up. And remember you can save them and work on them later. But right now, just be with the feelings. Be with any discomfort that's coming up. And see what shifts. Now, what did you need in that moment? If you were being an unconditionally loving parental figure towards yourself, what would you give yourself? Listening deeply to anything that's surfacing. There is no right, there is no wrong. What did you need to feel more self-love? Now I want you to promise to give that to yourself if something has come up. And if not, just keep listening. Keep being curious. This practice can take a little while to get used to, but it is just that, a practice. And the more you do it, the more access you'll have to that deeper part of yourself. Now, as we prepare to come back, I want to just get you to lean into that feeling of unconditional love once more and what that means to you. Is there something inside you or outside of you that you can lean into that can allow you to feel that level of love more frequently 
What would your ideal parent look like? Feel like? How would they speak to you? How would they be with you? Can you make a promise to be more that for yourself? Now, just returning back to the space, bringing with you whatever you've discovered and knowing that you can return to this at any point. I'll also put a recap of this process in the show notes. And I'd love to hear any feedback you have on any of these episodes. It's been a joy to record them and share this reparenting wisdom with you. There's so many more aspects of this modality that I can't wait to dive into in the future. In the meantime, please do leave a review, hit subscribe, and let me know how you find these episodes. I'm always curious to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to the Reparenting Podcast with me, Melissa Maurus. I'm a reparenting coach and I run various programs on this topic. I also hold a regular mother circle called It Takes a Village. If you enjoyed this episode, please do hit subscribe. And if there's someone you feel would benefit from hearing it, please do pass it on. This podcast was edited and produced by Emma Tyndall. Thanks so much for listening.